So I want to begin with like a little scenario that's related to the story that we're going to talk about. So I want you to imagine like you um, go to college and you meet like a good friend and you guys like spend the next like three to four years together doing almost everything together. Like you're in some of the same classes, you go, you eat together, you have the same friend group. Um, and then, like, a, right after you get out of college, you get accused of, like, a crime that you didn't actually commit. And so, you go to jail, and this friend of yours, um, like, starts detaching themselves from you in, like, every capacity. They, like, take the pictures of you guys, like, on Instagram, they take them down, they, like, deny to people that they or really that close to you, um, really separating themselves from you. They don't come visit you in jail. Um, and that's happening to you by this like close friend. So you get out of jail now, right? What are you going to be like thinking and feeling towards this person that you thought was, you know, one of your best friends that was really close to you? Don't feel betrayed. How so? Well, because you know they spent most of your life together. I mean, a lot of your life together, just really getting to know each other and feeling like, and then you know you think this would be the one person you could confide in that would believe that one that you didn't do it, and two at least that they would be there for you in the hard times, and you'd be like, so you know you feel like they're only there for you when the times are good, and they're not there when you really need them. You know? Yeah. What else? Hurt? Yeah. What about it would hurt you? Um, I mean, same thing with betrayed. I mean, you thought that you had a good relationship with this person and that you were with each other through thick and thin and then you get in trouble and wrongly or rightly accused. Um, usually if they're good friends to you, they, they would stick with you. Mm -hmm. So I'd be hurt that they like, went away and didn't want anything to Mm -hmm. so. I, would, I would feel some shame or feelings of worthlessness that they didn't really, um, that they must think that I'm some kind of monster or some kind of bad person because that's, if they, they think it's true. Mm -hmm. And, and that's kind of like, that can be almost a, the ne another, like the next step forward. Like you have betrayal and then maybe you feel shame or guilt, right? Um, and both of those things kind of come from expectations of like, what do we expect? Like we have a relationship and we have expectations of how we are supposed to be treated by someone. Um, is there anything else before we jump into the story? I think I might, like, assuming that I'm innocent, yeah. feel a little anger towards that person. Like, well, I'm innocent. Somebody must have done it. Like, I, I would start, were they the, were they the responsible? Are they the reason I'm here? Sure. Like, like I don't that may be taking a little step further, but. And you I, have a lot of time to think in jail. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anger, yeah. I would go to anger, too. I think I would feel detached. Like, as they separate themselves from me, I would 
separate myself from them as well. Because mm -hmm. then, like, you've already spent this much important time apart. Mm. I feel very distant and very untethered to them. Yeah. Why would I mend this relationship? Yeah. They don't care about me. I'm detached. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Jesus and Peter. Um, if you didn't guess it. Um, but if you didn't, that's okay. I find Peter, like, I relate to Peter a lot. I think he's, I think he's like one of the most like human apostles. Like he's very, I don't know, fleshed out. He can, they give a lot of qualities to him. And I think that just makes him relatable. Um, and he's like authentic. Like when Peter calls him, he's like, leave me, I'm a sinful man. Like, um, when Jesus says he's going to be betrayed, he's like, don't, far be it from you, Lord, that shouldn't happen to you. You're the Messiah, right? Like, and Jesus says, get away from me, Satan, right? Um, he's human, right? So, like, get behind me, Satan. He's the, he approaches Jesus, he's like, how often should I forgive my brother? You know, he's like fishing for, like, you know, twice or you know, three <laughs> times, and then you get off the hook. Um, and then he denies Jesus. Um... And his love for Jesus is compelling. Um, like the way that he falls on his knees before him, the way that he's... I was reading the stories, kind of preparing for this, and it says, I kind of forgot about this, but when Jesus like returns after he's dead, Peter's the first one that like, all the rest of the apostles or disciples, they row the boat back to shore, and Peter like jumps right into the lake and swims toward him. Um... And so, right before he denies Jesus, like, this is what, like, he has going for him. He is among the first disciples called to follow Jesus. So he's with Jesus from the beginning. Not at the, Jesus starts his ministry before he calls his disciples, but he's, he's there at the beginning. Um, so he, is, he recognizes that Jesus is the Son of God. And then Jesus, like, says to him, you know, on this rock I'll, be, I'll build my church. Like, I'll give to you the keys of heaven. Um what you, like, let loose on earth will be let loose. Something like that. Jesus goes up, or Peter goes up with Jesus to the mountain to witness Jesus' transfiguration. Um, he literally, he cuts an ear off of a man uh, when Jesus is threatened to be arrested in one of the gospel accounts. These are all pulled from different gospels. So, um, and then Peter runs to the tomb to see if Jesus' body is gone. He's one of those. I think it's, is it Peter and John that do that? Yeah, so. Um, we're going to read Luke 22, 54 through 62. This is like the denial account. Um, is there someone who wants to read this passage? So, you know, I'm reading from the, the uh, Christian Standard Bible, so he reads truth. But <clears throat> they seized him, led him away, and brought him into the high priest's house. Meanwhile, Peter was following, following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, and Peter sat among them. When a servant saw him sitting in the light and looked closely at him, she said, This man was with him too. 
But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. After a little while, someone else saw him and said, You're one of them too. Man, I am not, Peter said. About an hour later, another kept insisting, This man was certainly with them, since he is also a Galilean. <clears throat> but Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately, while he stood still, speaking a rooster crow, then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. So, like, before we go to the prompted questions, I'm just curious, like, are there any first reactions um, when thinking about, like, I don't know, all the time that they spent together? Like, are there any first reactions to this story? I think sometimes we um, have an oath. A, a sense of in, indignation at Peter for denying Jesus when forgetting that he was going through fear and he I mean, he was he was human like we all are um, and, and so I, I just I think it's really easy for us on our side of the street to uh, to go can't believe Peter would do that but um, the truth is it's very easy for us to uh, maybe not with the same words of you know I don't even know the man but in our actions or in our day-to-day uh, -day lives to not acknowledge who we are following yeah like that, that's it's powerful it's it's easy for us to read in judgment to Peter instead of seeing him as like a person experiencing something very difficult. My kids have been watching a, a movie that, that deals with kind of some peer pressure stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and in, in the movie there's a kid who is, is very different than everybody else. More, most people kind of make fun of him or don't want to sit with him at the lunch table or whatever. But the one kid who seems to really get along with him ends up uh, kind of like after class and a group of kids who obviously do not like the kid who's different and they start ragging on him and then he just kind of jumps in because he doesn't want to be a social pariah mm. as well and I'm just thinking about yeah I can totally see myself doing that and that's just the idea of of just social pressure forget the fact that he was uh, yeah, apparently wrestling with like am I going to end up on a cross too because of this sure. I mean and just the amount of in the moment he didn't I mean, you don't think about these situations before you're there, but in that split-second decision where you have to say one thing or another, it's pretty easy to go the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, well, one, you can think that he's scared for his life, he doesn't want to be associated because they can all turn on him and he can be next. Or, you think of how the whole time, you know, Peter is wanting to be, like, up close to Jesus because he's the new Messiah, the new king, he wanted to be with the it man, mm -hmm. and as soon as the it man falls, then it's like, uh, I don't know you, you're not cool like that. You know, sure. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe his expectation of what Jesus was is different than what Jesus is, like, what he's embodying, yeah. And to kind of expand on that, 
he may have been a little bit, a little bit angry. I mean, because if, if according to one of the Gospels accounts, he's rebuked by Jesus for cutting off the guy's ear, like I would kind of be a little bit pissed if I was doing what you want me to, what I thought you wanted me to do, or what I thought this was all about, and all of a sudden, like, do I really want to be associated with this guy? I thought we were building a kingdom. Like I thought, I thought I read the Psalms right, right? Like this is this is not what I'm expecting. Yeah. So these are just like, I think we y'all have talked about this, like fear, self-preservation, peer pressure. Like I mean, we hit on all those things. Those are just some of the things that I was thinking. Um, like the bitter tears. Like, where are those coming from? From Peter. The guilt. Yeah. He probably thought he'd never, like, he'd never get to heaven at that point after denying Jesus three times. Mm-hmm. And he said, I was with him this whole time, and I did exactly what he told me I was going to do, and so maybe I'm not destined to be with him like mm-hmm. I thought I was. Yeah. Okay. Don't know where this perspective comes from, but sure. what the first thing that made me think of is like when somebody's struggling with addiction and they relapse. Mm-hmm. I never thought I'd be in this place again. Like that bitter weeping is like the relapse. How did I find myself here again? What did I just do? Yeah. And I think that's very powerful. And if they, like it, I think that that captures a, like a, a lot of that for sure. There's like a powerlessness in that weeping, almost right, like a helplessness. I think um, it's also a little bit. He's like angry at himself because he's realized that he did exactly what he just said he would do. Mm-hmm. But it's not like he goes back and he's like, you know what, I actually am with him. He still runs off. Like he's, he still has that kind of self preservation And I think he's just angry at that part of himself. Mm-hmm. Like a self, yeah. In Mark 61, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter and then he remembers. So the fact that not only did he do this, he was <laughs> well, and also, I mean, when sometimes as a parent, you know, see your kids going down the path, you're like, if you do this, this is what's going to happen, and they don't believe you. But when you lay down the, the hammer of, I told you this was going to happen, then I think it's, at least in, in my seven-year-old, it's that instant self-disappointment of, mm. oh shoot, I did exact, I, I am who you thought I was in that moment, mm. and I didn't think I was that person. Mm. Um, and even if it's an honest mistake, it's like, oh shoot, I'm disappointing you and I'm disappointing myself. And, and I can see that, especially like with that audible cue of hearing a rooster crow, it's like, oh crap. I, I was mad at him for telling me that I was going to do that. I didn't. I knew I was better than that in my head, but mm-hmm. now I realize I'm not. Yeah. I also wonder, like, when, knowing who Jesus is, was his face sort of just like this, like, like, yeah, like, this is exactly what I thought, because me and my own flesh, I'd be sitting here going, like, oh, I But, like, just knowing who Jesus is, you know he's just sitting there kind of like, exactly 
how I told you it's gonna play out, mm -hmm. and that has to hurt worse. Like, yeah. if somebody's looking at you like, told you so, you're like, I'm not listening to you, but if it's this like, I've already accepted this, I told you this, I knew, this is nothing surprising to me. You have to kind of have this spirit of like, yeah, I guess I kind of was told exactly how it was gonna play out, and I fell right into it. Yeah. Just the, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's just a, it's, that's a powerful image, like this idea of like, the Lord, like Jesus told you who you are. You don't want to be that person. Your pride doesn't, like your pride blinds you from it. Then you have a moment where you blunder, and then the Lord is like, yeah, that, like that was in your heart. You know, and I, that's just, yeah, that's a dagger for sure. And also, like, he has just witnessed Judas being the betrayer. Mm. And and how, like, like it would be, if, if I was in Peter's shoes, it would be really hard for me not to compare myself to Judas in this moment. I have, like, things that, you know, Peter, things that Jesus has said previously at the table, you know, Jesus says, you're going to betray me, and, you know, and Peter was like, no, 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 we're, we're, going, to, we're going to follow you to the end, you know, like, all these things, and all of a sudden, Judas, Judas betrays, and who knows if we have heard rumblings, or if we know, you know, Peter knows that Jesus has killed himself, but still, like, they know that Jesus is not around. I think, I think too that he, I mean, he'd be weeping bitterly because he doesn't know the end of the story. I mean, he has lived all of his life waiting on the Messiah, and he finally found him. But he still doesn't understand what's going to happen, so it's over. I mean, it would be like if somebody took our hope, like, his, okay, Jesus, yep, he's it, and then somebody completely does away with it. And, and so, like, that type of weeping, it's like, yeah, he's so disappointed in himself, but at the same time, he was actually there. He and John, they were the only ones. You know, I think Peter really gets a bad rap. He shows up to yeah. betray. The other ones already did it. They didn't even show up. I mean, they just ran. He was scared, but he, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to see what's going to happen. Sure. I don't know what his motivation was, whether he was angry. So there are probably several things. But it's like he was at least there to betray him, sure. where the others were not. And I think he'd be even more bitterly because it's like, I'm here, and then I hurt him even worse, and he looked right at me. And on top of everything else, I don't have a Messiah anymore. I mean, because Jesus was, he was not who he claimed to be because he was he was obviously going to be killed. So I mean, it's like everything was over yeah. in every way. And I'm trying to do the best I can, and I still messed up. Because he has no yeah. Messiah. Either. I mean, it's done. Yeah. Good thoughts, y'all. <clears throat> and then this last one. Like, what might Jesus be feeling as he witnesses this betrayal? What is he thinking? And I think we, we talked about it a little bit. Um, I guess he is disappointed, but he knew. Like, he told him, he's like, you're going to do this. And he's like, no, I'm not. And then, like, he sees it happen, and he's like, well, I mean, I told you this is going to happen. And maybe he's thinking, like, in the end, you're going to be better for it because you needed this to happen for such and such, for you to learn uh, your final lesson pretty much. And now you can leave my kingdom. 
So it's kind of like, he's like, well, I told you. Mm-hmm. You, 
healthy root bushes know there's going to be the disconnect with the hope of a reconnection. Yeah. And I think that that's what I was I see out of Jesus kind of, you know, kind of what England was saying of like he knows that there's disconnect right now, but he sees the end of the story. He knows the story's not over yet. Whereas Peter can't see that. Like and sometimes that's what happens in the relationship. Like, yeah, you're hurt, you're angry, but you know that this will be okay. Yeah. How do you cultivate that kind of hope? For a relationship. Because <coughs> I think that's a great application for like what is belonging. And that's for anyone too. I think for me, I mean just for me and my own personality, it's not listening to what shame is telling me. Like, because shame is telling me that this is it, I've I've screwed up the last time. They're going to leave me. They're going to betray me, or you know, whatever it is. But the truth is that over the course of our relationship, over the course of our friendship, they have shown time and time again that we're in this together. Mm. And so it's it's not listening to what I, I really do think. What's the evil one? Like what the evil one wants us to believe is that you know Christianity is a one and done. Like you screw up, you're done. And that's not true. Yeah, I, that reminds me of, like, there's a, a quote from The Dark Knight that I always remember. And it's like, the, the night is darkest just before the dawn, is what it is. So it's like, when you're in that dark night of the soul, it's hard to remember that, like, it's hard to remember that this person is for you, this person cares about you, um, has loved you, will continue to love you in the future. So... I'll just read this real quick because I'm bad at managing time here. Um, so the disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, and this is in John, um, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a about hundred yards off. So... I guess context, Jesus has risen, he is on the shore of the lake, the disciples are in a boat fishing, and so this is like where it picks up. They got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire um, in place, and fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. And so Simon Peter went aboard, hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them, and, and although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? And they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came in and took the bread and gave it to them, and with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he had raised from the dead. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. And he said a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. And Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? 
And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this to him, um, he said to him, Follow me. I don't know which one I want to ask. Um, can you all read these questions? You can just answer one of them if you want to. Because um, I think they're all good. Um, well, the first question, how does Jesus delivery, uh, Jesus' delivery mirror Peter's denial? He asked them three times. Mm -hmm. Why do you guys think that Jesus didn't just ask him, like, why did you deny me? Like, what, what is he doing in this sleight of hand? Because Peter knows, like, when he sees Jesus, he's like, you saw, like, you looked at me. Like, you know that I did this. And, yeah. so, and like, if I was Peter, I would have been like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. But, um, he was, yeah, so I, he might have not even had time to do that because Jesus just started asking him those questions before he could say a word to him. Yeah. So, yeah. And Jesus is refocusing him back on the mission. Mm -hmm. What does it say about Jesus? He's the ultimate one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like his ability to not come in emotionally charged and like feeling angry at Peter, right? Like, also in some way that, that Jesus is a bigger picture person because he knows that that isn't who Peter is and the bigger scheme of things of what he would do. So there's there's not a sense of, of harping on his small mistakes that he's going to make such a bigger difference. Did anyone else like react like when when it, when I read Peter was grieved in the ESV translation? Some of them say like Peter was hurt by this question. Did anyone feel like that was kind of unfair? Uh, that that was my first reaction was like it didn't make sense to me that he was grieved in that moment because of what he had done. I don't know, and that might just be my like that might be my human reaction. I think that's kind of what I'm trying to like find out in myself. Um, I think we have seen time and time again that Peter speaks first, and then it's only in that first time that he actually realizes what is going on. So while I do think that there was a reason of the mirroring, I'm not sure Peter completely figured it out until probably they were mid-meal of the mm. fish. I, I mean, I just, I just don't, I don't think he, and so I think in, in Peter's mind, and maybe, again, this is my own humanity of, I don't want to think about the crap that I've done to other people. And so therefore, 
Like, I've already told you that I'm going to follow you and that I love you. So why why do we why are you bringing this up again? Like, why are you testing me? Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, it's the same indignation of I'm not going to deny you. So I'm not sure Peter was 100 uh, percent in the know. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy to, when you're reading the text, it can be easy to see the connection, but like, when you're experiencing that as a person, it's harder. I like that. Yeah, not only does the story mirror the denial, but kind of the very beginning of the story, Peter's first to Jesus, he's also the first to kind of lead the church at Pentecost as well, and it's kind of weird that the story, Jesus has those fish there, and he has the disciples, are kind of his first people leading it, and then they bring in what you would assume is a big load of fish, yeah. which other disciples are actually going to go out and do. So yeah. here's many aspects of Peter's story. Super cool. Um, I mean, he says it to, he gets back at him after he says it a third time, and then after that he says, Lord, you know all these things. I think they'd be saying, like, Lord, you know, I'm sorry. Mm. Maybe he feels like he's going back in space a little bit. Sure. Um, yeah. So maybe they're, like, it's, is that defensiveness there? Uh, were you going to say something? I just think it's interesting that at the very beginning, when he sees Jesus, he jumps out of the boat and swims to him. And that's the first time Jesus met him and his brother, was when they were fishing and not catching fish. Yeah. And I think he probably, maybe in his mind, thought, this is my second chance. Yeah. i got to get to him now. And so just going back to his first meeting with Jesus, was at this, probably the same place, mm-hmm. same location. This is just an observation, and I don't know what it means, but it's interesting to me that Jesus didn't need the fish that they had caught. Like their food, he was already making fish. Yeah, like, he was already prepared. like he had already prepared. Like almost to say that he doesn't like you're doing your job, and I'm going to bless you, but don't feel like that. I don't know. There's just some. There's something there that I haven't quite figured out. Of like. God, God can provide more. He doesn't depend upon us, but He wants to still bless us. And I don't mean to. I saw a couple of hands in the back, but just I think this question is really important because it's the application from like what what are we seeing unfold in Scripture from Jesus, and how does that become something that we embody? So how does this story influence the ways that we repair relationships with, um, I could have just said loved ones, with friends and loved ones, but. to admit, and I'm sure 
compare some other people that feel this way. Sometimes the people that feel so much emotion and that's their personality, they're quick to have a short fuse. Um, that was when you know, Peter gave Jesus ultimate pain from, you know, denying him. That wasn't his first goal. It was, he made a mistake. Yeah. Let's move on. Because <laughs> I still need you to be a part of the bigger kingdom. And I like that. It's, Peter, or Jesus focuses on Peter as a person rather than his mistakes. Um, which I think is really hard to do when we're in the midst of someone who, like, something that has just, like, hurt us deeply. It's hard to, like, see the person for who they are, rather than what they've just done to us. That's really good. Well, was someone about to say something? Yeah, yeah. just building off what you just said, uh-huh. not only is it really hard, I would say it's, in and of ourselves, it's impossible like we need mm. Jesus in us to be able to do that That's good. Um, yeah and so just continue to reflect on this and I really like that like how does Jesus help us do what Jesus himself can only do right um, we'll pray and then we can get down to second service or lunch um, so Lord, thank you for um, class. Thank you for everyone who's just willing to share. Thank you for um, the ways that your spirit um, can move through um, the scripture and, and through our thoughts. Um, we thank you for people like Peter who we can identify with. Um, we're especially thankful for Jesus um, and Jesus, your ability to love and forgive and set the example um, and give give us the power to uh, be forgiveness to be reconciliation um, to our loved ones and, and to ourselves even um, guys rest of today and it's in your son's name we pray in